You're listening to Puma Podcast. Before we start, I want to warn you that this story could be triggering for some audience or may not be appropriate for younger ones. Please take care of yourself and listen with caution. I was married off when I was just a young child, and it really hurt me. This is Rasmina, an Indonesian woman from the small village of Krimun, located in West Java, which is the country's most populous province. Her father was paralyzed, and her mother was a farm laborer juggling whatever tasks were given to her. Rasmina had three siblings, and they all lived in a cram house with a leaky roof and dirt floors. They were so poor that Rasmina's mother could see only one way out, marrying off her daughter and passing off the burden of supporting Rasmina to her would-be husband. By the time she turned 19, Rasmina had already been forced to marry three times. I've had enough, enough of me being the victim, being married off by my parents when I was little. I want this to end with me. Let me be the last victim. One in nine Indonesian girls marry before they turn 18. And for Asmina, this shouldn't be normal. No girl should be forced into marriage as a teenager, which is why she fought back. But how do you fight not only a legal system that allows this, but an entire culture that lets young girls be taken advantage of? You are listening to Rosmina, the last victim. This is the English adaptation of the investigative podcast series Disclose Dipangsa Kawin, created by KBR Prime. Indonesia's pioneer in journalism-based podcasts. This six-part podcast adaptation is produced by Puma Podcasts in the Philippines and made possible by international media support. I'm your host, Malika. It happened 25 years ago, on a Thursday afternoon. Little Rasmina was jumping rope with her friends in the field in front of the family home. The 13-year-old had just graduated from elementary school. Her mother called her. Come here, my daughter, she said. Then my mother told me that I was getting married. For listeners outside of Indonesia, this might be shocking, or at the very least, highly unusual. But this happens to many girls in Indonesia. She said, just to be your mother. If you don't feel sorry for your mom, then that's your choice. I cried and cried. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't refuse my mother's wishes. So I told her, okay, I'll do as you wish. That same day, Rasmina met her future husband. I was immediately told I couldn't play with my friends anymore. My mother ordered me to stop because my future husband was coming to visit. I just kept quiet. 
I felt devastated and brokenhearted. My friends were at school, studying and playing with each other. Meanwhile, I had ended up here, forced to marry. She didn't even know her husband's full name. He arrived at our home, met my family, then proposed. I didn't really know anything about him. I just called him Yanto. Her husband was 27 years old. I asked my mother if I could continue studying in junior high school, but my parents said they had no money. And just like that, her dreams of becoming a teacher were snuffed out. Yanto took Rasmina to meet his extended family. It was her first time to go out of town, and all she had for a companion was a complete stranger. It was a quiet journey to the home of her would-be in-laws. I was afraid to see them all. They were all strangers to me. So I just stayed in the room. For three days, she just stayed in that room, in the home of her in-laws. A month later, Rasmina and Yanto got married. They held small celebration at Rasmina's home. If you're wondering about this, it was actually illegal for this to happen. According to the marriage law of 1974, Indonesian women could only marry if they were at least 16 years old. As we interviewed her for this podcast, Rasmina opened her marriage book and showed her age, as it was written there, 18 years old. But the truth was, she was only 13. How could that happen? Well, I don't know. That's what happened in villages. What could we do? There were bribes and all sorts of things, so we could marry immediately. While other girls her age were busy with school, hanging out with friends, listening to 90s boy bands and developing their first crushes on them, Rasmina was dealing with her fate as the wife of a man she didn't know. We didn't sleep together. I was afraid to sleep with him, and I didn't want to. My parents said, you must sleep with your husband, otherwise he'll be mad at you. But I didn't care if he got mad or not. Why would I want to sleep with a stranger? As Rasmina tried to adjust to married life, her friends shunned her. My friends kept teasing me, saying, you're already married, you're not like us. You can't be part of our group. I cried and went to my mother, saying, Mom, my friends are turning me away because I'm married. They don't want to be friends anymore. And not long after, she became pregnant. Rasmina tried to find a semblance of normalcy. My friends refused to play with me, but after some time, I just got used to it. I continued tagging along, no matter what they said about me. I didn't care. I just wanted to play with them. Now 14, a year into her marriage, she sought comfort in fun and games. Imagine a teenager, jumping rope, her stomach bouncing along, big and round, accommodating the human being she was growing in her body. 
I didn't know what to feel. It was my first time getting pregnant. My neighbor told me, you're still a child. How come you're already pregnant? Nine months later, Rasmina gave birth at home, laboring for a week. A midwife and traditional birth attendants try to ease her condition. Her own mother couldn't bear to see her struggle. My mother kept crying and crying. She was praying for me to have a smooth labor. And she kept saying, I'm sorry, I was the one who told you to get married. I didn't know that things would be so hard for you, especially during labor. She felt sad for me. Rasmina felt like a stranger to her own flesh and blood. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to have a child yet. I didn't feel any pleasure in giving birth. I was indifferent. After I gave birth, it was my mother who took care of my child. I didn't want to have anything to do with the baby. Rasmina didn't even want to breastfeed her child. She had no idea how to be a mother. And so, she left her baby in its grandmother's care. Three days after I gave birth, I was already out in the fields, playing with my friends. My mother told me, don't play, it's dangerous, you just gave birth. But I didn't care. I just wanted to play outside. This was a child with a child of her own. Again, she had just given birth. And what she wanted to do the most was to go out and play. My baby often cried, but I didn't care. My mom looked after her. I was just a child. I didn't care about my baby, let alone my husband. She just couldn't be bothered with either her child or her husband. If he didn't feel at home, then that wasn't my problem. I disrespected him. Usually, when a husband wants to have breakfast, the wife is expected to prepare it for him, make coffee, but I just didn't care about anything. I would sleep all day, and my mother would be the one to take care of my child. After two years of marriage, her husband left without a word. Rasmina was left alone, with a toddler to care for. The forced marriage was supposed to ease her family's burden. Instead, it added to it. Her mother forced Rasmina to marry for the second time when she was 15. This time, her husband was 40 years old. Again, Rasmina got pregnant, and soon after she gave birth, her new husband left. Now Rasmina had to find a way to feed her two young children. She would have to leave them with her mother in the village. She moved back to Jakarta to work at a food stall. But not three months later, her mother asked her to come back home. It was harvest season her mother said. And there was a lot of work she needed help with. In truth, Rosmina's mother wanted to introduce her daughter to the man who would become her third husband. 
Rasmina was 17. And it was only then, on what would become her third marriage, that she could be married legally, according to the marriage law of 1974. Her would-be husband was a well-established artist, and his family owned land and livestock. My mother called me and said, please, just accept him. He came from a rich family. When my mother called me, she hadn't even met him yet. But she still persuaded me to accept him. So I said, okay. Rasmina was forced to marry for the third time, and she was getting tired of it. She had been doing this since she was 13. Could this marriage be the last? I hoped that that would be my last marriage, the one with my third husband, if God would allow it. But then, he died. This wasn't the only tragedy that struck. Before her husband's death, she had been busy herding cattle in the fields when she was bitten by a snake. The poison left one of her legs disabled. She would have to use a stick to support herself when standing from then on. She decided to return to her mother's home. Hey, hello. Yeah, hello. It was April 2011. By this time, Rasmina was 26. How do you know my number? He replied, I was just pressing random numbers. A man called Runata was on the other end of the line. In between juggling odd jobs here and there, he had been playing around with his mobile phone, dialing random numbers to see who would pick up. He had hoped that it would be a girl. May I come to visit? Where do you live? You have the wrong number. It was not the wrong number. I was just playing around with random numbers. I got the numbers from Ale Ale, he said. You know, the number that shows up when you scratch the code. Ale Ale was a local soft drink brand, and as a promotion, you could scratch its package to uncover a set of winning numbers and get a prize. Indeed, luck was on Renata's side. He scratched the package, uncovered a set of numbers, dialed them, and was led to Rasmina. They talked for half an hour over the phone. A few days later, Runata visited Rasmina at home. The two were interested in getting to know each other more, and eventually, they decided to date. We talked and talked. Did we want to be friends? Did she want to be my wife? If things were headed in that direction, then why wouldn't we do it? But Rasmina couldn't help the dog that nickel at the back of her mind. I was feeling inferior because I wasn't as normal as other people were. I was disabled. I didn't have legs anymore. I was afraid that he was just playing with my feelings. And I didn't want to marry anymore. My mom told me, if he wants to be with you, that's okay. But you have to be sure of his intentions from the very beginning. I don't want you to get hurt. I knew everything about her. I knew about her children, about her situation, and I was okay with that. 
I accepted everything about her. After a year of dating, Runata and Rasmina got married. She was 27. I guess we're soulmates. Runata and Rasmina started a new life as a family with three children. Runata provided for them by juggling odd jobs. Meanwhile, Rasmina's disability prevented her from working. I wanted to help my husband. I wanted to help shoulder our family's burden. My husband could do the work in the paddy fields, while I could help out in other households, cleaning up their homes or doing other things, or perhaps work in a restaurant, because there were a lot of restaurants where we lived. Rasmina sought a prosthetic leg. Thankfully, her sister Rustini found a way. She was an active member of Indonesian Women's Coalition, Koalisi Perempuan Indonesia, or KPI. It is a non-governmental organization focusing on women's rights. At the time, the latter was delivering social services to their village. Rustini introduced Rasmina to the chairperson of the West Java KPI, Darwini. We chatted and she told me her story. It turned out she was forced to marry at a young age. And that's when I found out Rasmina's problems, from her first husband to her second husband, to her third husband, and even her fourth. I remember clearly her words back then. Let me be the last victim of child marriage. She said that from the very first time we met, and it gave me goosebumps. I cried just listening to those words. Rasmina's story reminded Darwini of her mother. She was just like my mother, a victim of child marriage. She was married when she was just a child. She couldn't continue her studies, and she kept saying she wanted to educate her children so they wouldn't have to experience what she went through. Rasmina became interested in joining the Indonesian Women's Coalition, and it couldn't have come at a better time, because KPI was looking for survivors of child marriage for a judicial review they were preparing to get the 1974 marriage law amended. We wanted to appeal the law before the Constitutional Court. Darwini pitched the idea to Rasmina who knew nothing about the Constitutional Court. The Court's main role is to review the constitutionality of different laws in order to safeguard democracy and protect human rights. Rasmina had never heard of the 1974 marriage law either, nor did she understand what it meant to become an applicant to the Constitutional Court. Yet she agreed to help Darwini. <laughs> There shouldn't be any more child marriages. I've had enough. Enough of me being the victim, being married off by my parents when I was little. I want this to end with me. Let me be the last victim. I think about my children. What would they feel if they were married at that age? When it was me going through it, 
I was really hurt inside. So I want to fight and make sure that no other Indonesian girl goes through child marriage. It should end with me. Next on Rasmina, the last victim. I was trembling all over. I felt like I couldn't move. When I looked at the court building, I felt anxious. If our judicial review was turned down, I didn't want us to think that we had failed. Instead, it should be an alarm that was sounded for us. A signal that we have more homework because the state had not acknowledged that we had an emergency situation for child marriage in Indonesia. You've been listening to Rasmina, the last victim. I'm your host, Malika. This adaptation was put together by Trisha Aquino, Nina Toralba, Carl Sayat, and Carl Joe Javier of Puma Podcast in the Philippines. In Indonesia for KBR Prime, Nini Yuniati, Wahyu Setiawan, Dwi Renjani, and Citra Diah Prastuti worked on the original series Disclose Dipaksa Kawin. This collaboration was made possible by international media support. Subscribe to Rasmina, The Last Victim on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen on kbrprime.id.